Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Happy to Meet Cute. This is Fallon Ballard here with my extraordinary and tremendous co-host, Courtney Kay. Did I just Google synonym for fabulous right before we started recording this? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> I was literally just going to say, thank you, my fantabulous Fallon. <laughs> Was that in the synonym list? <laughs> no, but it should be. <laughs> I feel like as a writer, you're allowed to make up your own words. That's, Hell I mean, yeah. that's, that's part what of the we, fun. <laughs> what did we talk about last week? What was Kate's words? Swoonch. Swoonch. <laughs> it's love that so word. cute. I love it. I just, I remember, I like actually remember reading that for the first time and being like, oh my God, it's like the perfect word. <laughs> like, it's exactly what you feel. I love it. I know. It She's really so is. Good. Oh, yes. How are you doing this week, my friend? <laughs> I am good. I have like zero time management skills this week. Uh huh. Same. <laughs> I feel like ever since the holidays, like there was winter break. We're all of our routine, all off our game for like, I mean, it's basically like a second summer break for yeah. schools. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, man. And yeah. so my brain is just like, we need recovery time. And I haven't really gotten that. So I'm just so slow at everything right now. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing? We're so close, so close to launch. I know. It's interesting. I am not freaking out as much as I thought I was going to be, which I'm happy about. I'll take it. Um, It's interesting. I definitely feel like the nerves and the, the, the bad anxiety is Mm -hmm. not as bad with this one as it was with Lise. And I don't know if that's because um, I will talk more about this when we do our our Just My Type episode, but I definitely don't feel as emotionally attached to this book as I was to Lisa on Love, um, which is a whole other beast in itself. But mm. I think that's making it a little bit easier to just kind of be like, whatever happens, happens. Like, it's out of my hands at this point, you know? The publishing wheelhouse is going <laughs> to determine what happens from here. I did yeah. my part, and uh, now we just get to party and have fun, and I'm, I'm yeah. excited for that. Hell yeah. And yeah. maybe, too, because going into events and launch this time around, you know a little bit of what to expect. It's not yeah. all completely, like, into the unknown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to quote Frozen 2. I was going to say, I would start <laughs> singing that song, but no one wants to hear that from me, so we'll hold <laughs> off on that. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, there's definitely that. And it's it's also a little bit strange because when I released Lisa on Love, we were like at the tail end of a pretty bad COVID wave. And Ooh. so the in-person oh. stuff was like still like not fully back like it was, but like, you know, there were like 10 people, you know, and like everybody mm-hmm. had to be masked and like separated still. And so it was definitely like not the full vibe. Um, not to say that we're like over it and everything's fine and back to normal. Cause we're definitely not, but I feel like this time around it, it feels a little bit more like I get to actually do some things. So. Yeah. And a lot of us have a lot 
more vaccinations in us. <laughs> so yes. That is helpful. Yes, yes for sure. Um, so mostly I'm excited. It's going to be good. All right. I am too. dying to hear about what you have been consuming <gasps> this week because you gave me a little taste and I'm I'm real curious, not going to lie. <laughs> <So> <laughs> tell us about it. Oh my it. God. Okay. So my family, we always try to look. So like my kiddo is in that tween age where um, it's like she's a little too mature for like the kid shows, like little kid, but like not mature enough for like all PG-13 yet, you know? I mean, that's just our, like in our household, right? Every household's different. But um, I have made some choices on movies and like we end up fast forwarding like half of it. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, actually, (laughs) I know, right? So we're always looking for shows that we can watch all together. So we found um, this show on Netflix called, and I actually did have to fast forward a couple (laughs) things because it is TV 14, but overall it was like, okay, um, for our household. But Okay, Justin Willman is an American magician, and he has a show called Magic for Humans. (laughs) I was, like, obsessed with it. I was like, can we watch that show now? Can we watch it now? And it has, like, um, I want to say two or three seasons. But it kind of, like, maybe I have a thing for magicians now. I don't know. I was like, this is attractive? (laughs) Gorgeous. Is it though? Like, how do you do that? I don't know. It's mysterious and so you're attractive. <laughs> it's actually, oh my it blew gosh. my mind. Blew my mind. <laughs> like just the the tricks are like out of control. Out of control. That's amazing. And, and, and like it's like your brain is like can't make sense of it. And I love that. I love like there's not many times we get to feel a sense of wonder as adults anymore. So I like that show for that reason. And even my my husband, who's like, you know, has a scientific background, and he, he was like, what the? You know, so it was like really fun for all of us, for our minds to be blown. And it's just like really fun escapism. And he's also, he throws comedy in there too. So it was just a good time. Nice. <laughs> um, have you ever been to the Magic Castle? Oh, my God. No, and I want to go so okay. badly. Don't you have to like know someone to get in or yeah, you yeah. do, but there's other ways that you can get into. Um we're gonna, <laughs> other way. <laughs> there are other ways. <laughs> we're gonna make that happen because the Magic Castle, I've been a couple of times. It is like talk about mind blowing. It is the coolest thing you have ever seen. Cause yeah. it is all these different levels of magic. So you have your like, you're kind of like big sort of standard magic show with like, you know, the assistant and the sparkly dress and like, you know, yeah. you're sort of very kind of like cheesy magic. But then there's these other like smaller rooms where the magicians, I mean, there'll be like 10 people in a room and they're just like doing these tricks like right in front and you're just like right there. And it just is absolutely astounding. Okay. So we're making that happen. We're going to the Magic Castle. Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So good. It's the best. It's the coolest place ever. I haven't been in a long time. So. Oh, yeah. We got to go. (laughs) 
Okay. Love it. Your turn. What have you been enjoying? So I have been on a hardcore fantasy kick lately. And so I finally watched Shadow and Bone, (gasps) which I tried watching when it first came out. And I think I watched like the first two episodes and I don't know why. I must have just been like in a weird place. I just like couldn't get into it. Mm -hmm. Um, But this time around, I went back and I rewatched the first two episodes and then I watched the whole rest of it and like you know, two days and I got to the end and it was like, wait, no, wait, no, I know. <laughs> where's the rest? I know it's coming like not too long, hopefully. So I won't have to wait too long, um, but I'm just loving it. I think it took me a minute to get wrap my head around that. It's so different from the books because you're basically like combining her, the mm-hmm. two different series. And so like, I think that threw me off for a little bit in the beginning, but once I kind of got over that, I was like, Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, um, how do you feel about Ben Barnes? Um, I mean, how do we all feel about Ben Barnes? <laughs> Let's just take a moment. <laughs> I mean, that line where he's just like, make me your villain. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> right. Have you seen the one like behind the scenes outtake where he walks up to Lee Bardugo and whispers that in her ear? Yes, and what I don't know how she's mean? still alive. <laughs> I would have I died just like, on the spot. <laughs> just <Right>? combust. <laughs> she had to have just like full chills. <laughs> yes. Like I I remember seeing that. I think before the show even like came out and I was like, how is her heart still beating? Like, (laughs) are we good? We good? I mean, that is, that's the author dream right there. That is like pinnacle top of you. You have peaked. It's all downhill from there. (laughs) So happy for her. (laughs) Um, What were some of your favorite things? Like, oh my God, I loved Jesper. I loved the goat. Yes. I loved the goat. Has <laughs> well, I'm like such a six of crows. It was one of my first yeah. like really big. Uh, like I was just so into it. Um, yeah. I've actually never read Shadow and Bone for shame. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I read the Six of Crows books and was like so into them. So tell me, tell me. Yeah. Um, they're not as good as the as the Six of Crows, but that was—I mean—that was my favorite part too. And I wish we had spent more time in Ketterdam because I wanted mm. to like really be in that world. Um, I'm hoping that we get more time like in the in the later seasons because um, I just was like so into like it just felt like so gritty, and I love like the whole club vibe. I was just like yes. very into all of that. Um, and the sexual tension between Kaz and Inej. And I'm just like, yes. I love Inej. <laughs> I thought so she was good. fantastic. She was so good. Um, and I loved Nina and Matthias. I think that's yes. how you say his name. Um, I loved them too. And I am like into that storyline. So I need, I need more of them. But I'm just so excited that like, the next season is coming out like relatively soon so that I can just like go right into it and just be immersed. I want more. When is it? Yes. When is it releasing? Um, I think, when did I see it? It's not too long. I say that now and I'm probably wrong. 
Let's see. Hold on. Sorry, I'm Googling. Cass was just so perfect. I actually Oh, it have- says oh. March of 2023. So that's not that far. Oh, my God. That's in a couple months. I can do You're that. You're going to, like, come off of book launch and just, like, enter your yes. <laughs> Shadow and Bone season two era. I love yeah. that. That's all I will be doing. <laughs> I have a Kaz, customized Kaz Funko Pop. <gasps> Stop. <laughs> it's so That's cute. amazing. I just want his cheekbones. His cheekbones are so good. They're so good. He was fantastic, right? Incredible. Yeah. He's that person that when you read that line, like his cheekbones could cut glass. That, that That's it right there. I remember the moment in, um, was it the second book when he and Inej like don't even, they don't even kiss, but the tension, it was like that yes. um, comfort hurt moment. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. I think I read that. 25 times in a row. <laughs> yeah, that's it's fair. So, it's, it's one of those, like, literary romance moments that sticks yes. out in my head so hard. Yeah, I need to go back and reread those books. I haven't read them in a long time, but they are really, like, top-notch. Right. So good. So good. Speaking of top-notch. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh Check yeah. out that segue. <laughs> love it we're getting the groove (laughs) oh my gosh I love it so much (laughs) all right so we are going to be back with our top notch guest (laughs) in (laughs) just a minute um which Courtney and I both loved her book it's so amazing um and really excited to talk to her all about it Yes, Helene Vascuni is just a gem, which you will soon hear. Um, we're so excited for Sorry Bro, which when this releases, when this podcast releases, her book will have released like the day before. Yeah, so it's available so, now. Go yeah, buy it. Go, go get it. Yeah. <laughs> we love Helene right. and know you will too. We'll be right back. Bye. Hello, happy to meet cute listeners. We are so excited um, to have you here with us today because we are so excited to be chatting with Talene Vascuni. Um, and she is an Armenian-American writer who grew up in the Bay Area diaspora, surrounded by a rich Armenian community and her ebullient, I, my tongue, that is a beautiful word. <laughs> Loving family. She graduated from UC Berkeley with a BA in English and currently lives in San Francisco working in tech. Other than a newfound obsession with writing rom-coms, she spends her free time cultivating her kids, her garden, and her dark dark chocolate addiction. Sorry Bro is her first published novel. Talene, you are a joy, and I'm so sorry my tongue was slipping, but we are so, so, so happy to have you here with us today. How are you? So pumped to be here. I'm doing really well. Can't wait to talk about all things writing, rom-coms, and who knows what else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good uh, sort of overview of this podcast. Who knows what else is going to come up as we're chatting? That happens often. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so kids, gardening, and chocolate. I love Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) I like how you said you're cultivating your kids. (laughs) 
(laughs) What am I growing? I'm growing my children, my garden and and writing. I I realize those are my hobbies. I like to make things grow, like build things. (laughs) So yeah, my vegetables and flowers and and all that, my herbs, (laughs) my little kids. I love that. A maker down to your soul. (laughs) With, I'm sorry, what was the last thing you said? Oh, and, and my dark chocolate obsession can only grow. <laughs> That's true. Yes, I feel that in my soul. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I know Courtney and I have both already read Sorry Bro, and it's absolutely amazing. Can mm-hmm. you uh, please tell our listeners a little bit about your book? Oh, so kind. Sure, yeah. So my book, uh, yeah, like we said, it's a queer Armenian rom-com. And the premise is that this woman, Nar, who's a 27-year-old woman growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area in San Francisco, she decides to finally follow her mom's advice and urgings and go to this month-long event called Explore Armenia to try and snag an Armenian husband. And while she's there, the first person she meets is not actually any of the moms on her list. The mom does have a Facebook stock list and a spreadsheet that she's created for this. (laughs) (laughs) None of those guys really um, tickle her. It's Yerebuni, who is the... um, who's this like witchy Armenian woman really in touch with her Armenian culture. So the book is really about Nar getting in touch both with her um, ethnic identity, with her Armenianness, and also with her bisexuality and coming to terms with both of those, even though they can be at odds with one another, queerness and Armenianness, and just embracing fully who she is. That's and so powerful. Ending, of course. Yes. And, um, your oh god I, like when i try to speak about your writing i don't even know where to start and it's just like it's so gorgeous and it's just like it's you like it's this very comforting spirit and like uh, what is the word i'm looking for um i don't know like it has this whimsy about it that's just like very beautiful and it's magical. Like it feels magical, but it's contemporary. That's what I think I'm trying to say. <laughs> like it, it really like, um, you said witchy, right? With the main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I'm remembering like little witchy elements and it was just really fun to have those in the book, but it also really complimented your writing because I don't know if, have you ever read, um, <clears throat> Lana Harper? No, books. Really on my on my list though, high on my list. Yeah, I know. Okay, yes. because sure. her original like YA. Um, oh my God, my brain is so slow this morning. You know what? I just realized <laughs> I didn't take. No, I just took my medication a little late. That's why <laughs> my brain is like trying to catch up. Um, yeah. What is it called? The, oh, Wicked Like a Wildfire. Okay, that was her YA, and it was a witchy YA rom-com queer and the language is very um like about food and about all the senses and I when your writing was the first I've picked up since I read hers that was like this is the vibe like this is this is I because I'm obsessed with that kind of writing that just gets into like 
the nooks and crannies of all the sensorial things and you just bring it to life. Like I could smell and taste and feel what you were writing. Um, so <laughs> that is what I wanted to say. Wow, that's like the <laughs> kindest thing. I have goosebumps all over. I feel like oh. I'm this like soft compliment cloud. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, yeah, I did really enjoy writing the witchy elements, always kind of being interested in it, but I, I don't feel like I could not yet write a full on fantasy, but like when I wrote mm-hmm. the scene where they go to Yerebuni's cottage with all the like beeswax candles and the art supplies and things yeah. like that all around. I, I just like, it was late at night. It was dark. I lit a candle that was like the special, like wood, wood burning scent, like a fireplace scent. And just like kind of close my yes. eyes as hard as I could to, to feel it. Um, oh, I think at the time I actually did buy, you know what I did? I bought a candle, another one from, uh, an actual witch online. And I don't know, maybe it was magical. Maybe it did something into the writing. I swear to God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think thank that- you. I think the other part that is so sensory and that stood out for me reading this was all of the food details, Mm -hmm. which I love in any book. Like if your book leaves me hungry, like I'm here for that all the time. And there was definitely that happening in this one where I was like, I just want to eat all the things. (laughs) Yes. I I decided to make Nar's mom a really good cook so that I can also like vicariously enjoy while I was writing. Like, okay, Nar's eating and I can pretend I'm eating Sini Kifta right now, (laughs) which is that like pan of meat on meat pie with just like spices and pine nuts. And oh, it's when that's cooking, it smells so good. That might be my favorite Mm -hmm. food. It's it takes a long time to make, so it's a, a labor of love, too. Like, someone that makes it for you just like spend a, a lot of time and effort um, making it. So I think that also affects how, I don't know how good it is. Uh, yeah. You see what, this is your book. Like this, yeah. is, like <laughs> you see that energy. It's like, that's in every page. <laughs> and the romance is so beautiful. And do you mm-hmm. want to tell us about what inspired the book or just ha- kind of your journey and getting here, whatever you want to share. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember I was on on a train on Caltrain for local people um, uh, on, on the way to work, and I remember hearing this conversation between two women just in my head, and one saying like, "Ah, oh, can't we oh, have wow. just one conversation with the Armenian person without mentioning the genocide?" And the other woman like sort of gently and curiously correcting her, not in a judgmental way at all. And that, um, the uh, interaction between the two women was so interesting to me. Like the, uh, you know, one, you know, why does one feel that way? Why does the other one, why is the other one so like kind? Like what's going on there? That's really interesting. So it sort of blossomed out of that. And plus, you know, one of my favorite movies has always been my big fat Greek wedding. And it's meant a lot to, I think, a lot of cultures and Armenians too. We've almost like adopted it. Like this is just like us. Um, So it's very similar. And, I, I really also liked in that book, the parade of the Greek suitors. Um, there's just like a small moment in there. Yes. Where they're trying to set her up. Yeah. So I, I just love that idea. And my family is so like uh, <laughs> intense and there nobody, there's not like this idea of not speaking to each other. Like that doesn't, not happen in in my family like there's if someone's mad you will know <laughs> you'll know exactly why <laughs> so 
like the family's like always, always there. And I couldn't not write that. And I just love the idea of like the mom setting her kid up uh, on, on these dates and trying to find this perfect Armenian man. So uh, that combined with, you know, these two women made the book. Love it. Amazing. And Dang. it really was like a movie in, in my mind as I was reading. Yeah. Mm. You can't go wrong with those sort of like over-involved families. I feel like that is always a hit for me when there's just like the meddling and they always just have like such strong personalities and they're just their own like developed individual characters that are just so fun and entertaining to read. I loved that. Yes, yes absolutely. Thank you. And um, I feel like my big fat Greek wedding, uh, when did that come out? I just, I remember it from like my later childhood, maybe my upper teens and just loving that mm-hmm. movie so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I related to the overprotective parents, <laughs> like the over-involved. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. Just to say one other like kind of funny thing about those kinds of, you know, families and Armenian-ness is that there seems to be something so similar about Armenian family. So my family, uh, my mom was grew up in Beirut and came here during the Beirut 1970s civil war. They, they escaped and they, they came mm. here to San Francisco and they, she's been living in San Francisco and then the Bay area for all her years since then. And, um, someone else that read my book, Amy Kazanjan, who's actually my Armenian cultural editor, she grew up in the Canadian diaspora. And her family was also from Beirut, the slightly different area. And it's so bizarre that even though she grew up like in Canada, a different country, like so many miles away from San Francisco, I think it's more the Toronto area, her like aunties and the humor is exactly, it's so similar. Like not everything is exactly the same, but I'm just so amazed by how Armenianness has like preserved itself so well in the diaspora communities. Um, so I really hope that, you know, when Armenians read my book, like Amy did, they will see like their aunts, their teachers, um, their family in, in the book. So that, that was just something fun that, that happened that, that really made me happy. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I was kind of thinking about it as I was reading, but I don't know that I've ever read another contemporary novel, um, a contemporary romance, like centered in the Armenian culture. And so it was really interesting to just kind of explore that. I mean, I'm from Southern California, so I have met a lot of Armenian people because we have a pretty big population in the city where I used to live. Um, But I just had never really read that in a book before. And so it was really interesting to sort of look at that different cultural perspective. Oh, cool. Yes, I forgot you're both in Southern California. So you are aware of Armenians. Uh, Glendale, which I don't know if that's where you lived or not, uh, has the largest diaspora population outside of Armenia, which is crazy. Like there, there are that many Armenians there and there's little Armenia um, I'm mm-hmm. hoping to set a future book there. So I need to go back and just really immerse myself in, in the little Armenia world uh, before I write it. Yeah. Love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, tell us when you're here. Yeah. Glendale is a lot of fun. I used to live sort of like Glendale adjacent. I live first, I lived in the city to uh, like the West of it. And then I lived to the East of it. So it was always kind of like right in the middle of where I lived. Uh, but it's a great little spot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
I'm just so excited for just everything that's ahead of you and your whole career. And I just really love, um, I mean, the representation is so important and so beautiful. And I'm just so glad you're here. Is that like the cheesiest thing to say? But I'm just like so glad to know you and and, and cheer you on. It's awesome what you're doing. No, thank you. I know I, I, I really do want there to be just so much more Armenian representation. And I'm still shocked that this yeah. book is going to be a book that's like in Barnes and Noble that anyone can pick up and learn about Armenian culture in this way, which is absolutely one of my biggest goals with this book. I want people to know who we are. Um, uh, you know, not every, you can't cover everything in one book, but at least get this slice of it. Have it be a jumping off point. So, um, you know, Armenia is not in the best place right now. And, um, so, you know, my hope is that when we, have these cries for help that people that have read it, maybe will care a little bit and do something. Mm. Maybe it won't take one book. I'm going to keep writing these books. I'm going to be writing Armenian books for as long as publishers will buy them. <laughs> so hope, you know, and, you know, fingers crossed movie one day of any of them um, just to like penetrate American culture with like, okay, we know who Armenians are. We understand like the basics of the history and like maybe why they're in trouble now and what we can do to help. I just, that is my goal. That was a huge, huge goal of mine uh, as an author. So, yeah, yay for the representation on so many levels. Yes. And again, thank you, Penguin, for giving me the chance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so grateful. Like, I still, in a way, can't believe it. Believe it. Freaking, you're so talented. <laughs> you're so talented. And I, I'm like, let's manifest the movie right now. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. Because... Yeah, it would just make it's such a cinematic experience. I could see it being so amazing on the screen. And so, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go. <laughs> um, you know, one thing about the film, I did. I, I don't know if I can say this or not. There's, it's, there's nothing going on. And one thing I've heard is that Hollywood right now doesn't really want coming out stories which i totally get the and i think happiest season ruined this for all of us because oh. i think there was a flash against it like come on we were more than that which i completely 100 percent agree like queerness and queer yeah. culture is way more than the coming out story but i think because hollywood hasn't caught up the way books have you know i feel like now in the last couple of years it's incredible we're in this beautiful place where all these lists like the list of sapphic books coming out in January. That's something that couldn't have been a list three years ago, even. Um, so love that. But I think Hollywood isn't quite there yet. And I'm calling it Hollywood like, <laughs> like I'm whatever. So I think they need to catch up a little bit. And then maybe there'll be space like, oh, here's an Armenian queer story. It includes coming out. That's not all it is. But um, so fingers crossed, we get more, 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 more queer stories, more sapphic stories. And then yeah, maybe sorry, for sure. Have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Love to see it. Um, well, I know we sometimes like to sort of get into the nitty gritty of some of our writing process stuff. And I know in particular today we wanted to talk a little bit about plotting uh, and about editing. You said something on your um, you know, first little information sheet that we sent out that just made me the person who hates editing more than anything ever. 
just mm-hmm. so excited because you apparently have figured out the key to not make editing awful and I need to know your secret. <laughs> oh my gosh. I will tell you. I'll tell you what I've learned. Um, so do you want, so I guess from plotting, I I'm a plotter. I'm not a pantser. I used to be a pants pantser? Pantser? I don't know. Is there a team? Yeah, <laughs> I used to be, but uh, it did not work out for me. Like I'm, my mind is already incredibly disorganized. So I do need to have those limits for myself and uh, writing within boundaries opens up creativity for me instead of shuts it down. So that that's been working out great. I use save the cat and also this, like uh, this, what else do I use? I use like character sheets also, cause I'm not very strong at character. So I need to like it very intentionally think about like who this person is actually write it down. What is their misbelief? If I don't write it, it won't be real. And then it won't show up as real on the page. So I do a lot of prep work and um, I do that. And then let's say I write the book. I do enjoy drafting, uh, even though it is painful at the same time. You surely <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> but you also are like, oh God, <laughs> there's a moment at like with sorry, bro. And I was at 50,000 page, 50,000 words. And I thought like, there's still so much of this story. And it was, it's a hefty one. Like it, the first draft was 98 K 98,000 words, which is too long. And the final is like 92 or something. So it's not, it's not short. Um, but so I wrote that. So editing. All right. You want to hear <laughs> what, yes. what I've got? This all help comes me, help me. <laughs> This is all thank you to Jesse Q. Sutanto, the my incredible mentor and the author of Dial A for Aunties and like seven mm-hmm. other books. <laughs> the Obsession, The New Girl, Well That Was Unexpected, Kyoten and Fox Spirit. I think I got all the ones that are out now, but um, I love her. So she's the one who told me this. Uh, she, and for me, it was magic. Maybe this is not going to work for everyone. She writes each chapter in a spreadsheet. By that, I mean chapter one, two, three, four, five, six, and then writes a little summary next to it. So chapter one, this is what happens in one sentence or two if needed, and then does that for the entire book. So you do that once your book is done. And then in the third column, you just make notes on what you need to edit. That's it. And then you go through and you look at each chapter one by one and write everything that needs to be edited in each chapter. And then I go through and do it chronologically because uh, the order of things can affect, you know, the, I really, my head can't hold too much at once. So I have to do it chronologically. So that's all I do. I just start from chapter one. I'm like, okay, these are the only things I need to edit that are big developmental things. So I do that. But if it does affect later chapters, I just make notes in those chapters to go and um, fix them. So that's it. So it's actually pretty simple. It might not work for everyone, but for me, it has been like magic. And when she first told me, I was like, okay, whatever, I guess I'll try it. So I did it. And it just went from like pure hell (laughs) editing to (laughs) completely manageable. So hopefully if you try that, maybe you're already doing that. I don't know, but it's, it's been working great for me. No, I like that because I think what sometimes feels so overwhelming when you get to the editing process is you're like, okay, I have 80,000 words that I have to take from garbage and make them presentable. Mm -hmm. But when you break it down (laughs) chapter by chapter and it's like, oh, okay, you know, in this chapter, I only have to do this one thing. Or, you know, you can kind of like look at it in those individual pieces rather than looking at it as like, oh my God, I have to edit a whole book. (laughs) 
Yes, exactly. And like some things do weave throughout. You're like, oh, I have to change, you know, her feelings about her dad in this section. You're like, oh, or like in throughout the entire book. But you could do it in that way through the chapters and like mark those and flag those. So it does, it does make it more, more doable. That's smart. I'm going to try that. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot. (laughs) That is a tool I used in, um, pitch wars when I had, so uh, my question is, I guess when you have, have you ever done a big rewrite or rewritten a large chunk and how would you implement that into that strategy? Just still go kind of chronological and break it down. (laughs) I unfortunately have not done a huge rewrite. So that's my, that's my thing. I think this only works if you don't have a giant thing to do. So I don't know. And that's why I think for me, plotting is, I don't even know what I would do. And that I think I would just have to throw it all away. The hardest thing I did with this (laughs) is switch two chapters, which for me was like, very like I was like oh gosh that's so much but <laughs> but really that's that's nothing compared to what some rewrites could be so I don't know Courtney how how that would work I feel like you need a different tool for like a larger rewrite um well you're incredible first of all <laughs> that's amazing um yeah okay well, that makes sense that was just sorry bro we'll see what happens with my next book which is getting developmentally edited, hopefully as we speak. So we'll see what happens when that one comes back. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it'll probably be about the same because it's, I'm sure your writing is amazing all across the board. Yeah. Um, Do you have like a favorite part of the writing process? Like I love drafting. Courtney likes editing. Everybody seems to have a different sort of favorite part. I feel like it always used to be drafting. Um, but now I think, no, I do still love drafting. I love seeing where the story is <laughs> going to take. I love having the idea and then seeing like, okay, now what happens when I actually write it, even though it is so difficult sometimes. Um, I still, yeah, I feel like that's where magic happens a lot of the time. Magic, I mean, magic happens throughout. Like in editing, of course, you can take something that's okay and make it just like brilliant. Um, but uh, but there's something about the excitement, I guess, of the the first draft that that really speaks to me. Yeah, I that feel that. It speaks to you too. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like that is, for me, that's when I get to play. You know, that's when mm-hmm. I get to have fun and editing is about taking what's already there and, you know, shaping it into something manageable and good and mm-hmm. readable. Um, but the drafting part to me is like, ooh, this is when I just get to like really be creative and, and do whatever I want. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The playing, yeah. I think that's a perfect, perfect way to put it. Yeah. I love that. I feel like these days, though, I should say whatever I want in air quotes because (laughs) it's not always whatever I want these days. (laughs) Whatever they'll allow me to do. (laughs) But I do love Uh, discovering, like, meeting your characters in in that first draft and um, really, like, seeing their voices come to life. That's always really exciting for me. When you cut, when you finally hit their voice and you're like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love, I love that I moment. Voices, I know. And, and tinkering with that and growing it. Um, yeah. It's fun. Yeah. 
There's also a lot of really good side characters in Sorry Bro, like the friend group, I think is yes. really fun. Um, yes. And the family, I know we talked about a little bit. Did you have a side character that was like really fun to write for you? I loved writing uh, Otic, who is the kind of bro-y engineer guy who's just like this such a quintessential <laughs> Armenian man to me. I've known like 70 Otics who's just like very gregarious, like wants everyone to feel included. And like, if someone's not dancing, like, get up and dance, let's go, you know, like take a shot with me, bro. And all this, um, <laughs> <laughs> like has, has, I don't know. And just the shiny shirts too, that goes with it often, not always, but <laughs> sometimes. So he was really fun to write. Um, yeah, just a family. I mean, the mom for me was so fun to write. And the grandma Nene was a lot of fun mm-hmm. too. I, I invented her because I don't, I never got to know my Armenian grandma. I never, we were never alive at the same time. So that's when my, my life's, mm-hmm. you know, sadness is apparently she was an incredible lady. So I sort of invented my own Armenian grandma with taking bits of my grandfather and um, putting it, putting it into her um, in, in a way that, I don't know. I, I kind of wish I had had. So she, I, yeah, I wrote fan fiction of my life. Like, what would it have been like if I had me had an Armenian grandma? Let me make one up. So that's that was a lot of fun. That's so sweet. That is beautiful. Yeah, that's cool. I love that. I feel like we do that in lots of different ways as we write. Yes, it's so true. It's kind of this wish fulfillment and examination mm-hmm. of parts of our life that aren't fully examined yet that we want to know more about or feel um, yeah I feel like I do I'm that all the you, time yeah I'm glad you let yourself do that for yourself I think that's really cool you guys too I mean it, it's also why I'm not I'm not writing you know straight male or male female romance like I feel like that part of my life mm-hmm. has been quite examined <laughs> fully figured it out <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> the like the queer part the you know with the sapphic romance that I checked out a little but not nearly enough and not like in a relationship kind of way so I was like all right I have a novel length worth of things to to say about this <laughs> to think about mm. so that's that's why you know I, I wrote that um and that's why all my future ideas seem to be sapphic too it's not just like me trying to I don't know have author brand or something which I've you know is important too but that's also really what I want to write what I want to look at. Yes. I, I think too, you know, as queer authors, we can use the art as a way to discover more of ourselves too. Like parts, I, I know for me, like in Fern Falls, creating like a big supportive queer community was almost wish fulfillment in itself because I didn't like come into my identity until later in life. So creating that for my characters was cool because it was something I didn't get to experience as a younger person. So now like amazingly I have it in like writing community and that's been so really, really special and important to me, but being able to create that like in the story was um, I think a similar sort of thing. And I love that. (laughs) Yeah. That was such a nice surprise. And in the event of love, because my mind like stereotypically went to like, Oh, maybe like, you know, queer people are are on the outside outskirts of the town, but no, they were so centered. And, you know, I like the, and the mayor was queer trans, I believe, uh, a trans woman. I can't remember now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it was just like, Oh wow. Yeah. You, you really created this like beautiful, inclusive 
world in Fern Falls that um, I'm excited to jump back into with your. You're so sweet. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I I think that's, I don't know. I I, I know we could probably give like a whole TED talk on that, but (laughs) just like it's, I think it's so special and important um, for queer people to be able to explore queerness in their books. And I I just, anyway, (laughs) I love that. And I think it's really beautiful. I'm writing that down for in my head for TED Future TED Talk. Queer people explain. <laughs> yes, I love this. <laughs> yeah, very well said. Also, we're all um, taking like a like a beat. <laughs> I know. Sometimes you have to just pause and like let it all kind of like sink in and sit in your brain for a little bit. Yes. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. Let's talk some gossip. <laughs> yeah. Now that we got the the serious and heartfelt stuff out of the way, we get to get into the nitty gritty. Um, so I know you are a fan of The Crown, which I am as well. And uh, I have been, it's actually very strange as somebody who watched the show from the beginning, where obviously the first couple seasons are all things that like, I might have read about in like a history book, but like, you know, I wasn't around to experience any of them. And now as we move into these later seasons where we're starting to get into events that I actually remember these things happening. Like I have a very clear memory of where I was when I found out Princess Diana died and we haven't gotten there yet on the show, but we're getting pretty close. And so it's very strange. And then to see, you know, these sort of actor versions of like William and Harry and like, you know, people that we can look at now as adults and be like, I can still see you. You're like, you're a real person. (laughs) It's been very interesting. And then of course, all of the uh, Harry and Meghan stuff that's been coming out lately. So I want to hear all your thoughts on the Royals, the crown, Harry and Meghan, whatever you got. I want to hear it all. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I I was a felon. I was thinking the exact same thing that I remember exactly where I was um, when I heard about Princess Diana. I was camping when doing an annual family camping trip with like five families we did. Um, And uh, yeah, I remember where I was walking even like the dirt path. It was was nuts. Like it was that shocking. Um, I was young. I, I guess I was in early middle or no elementary was it 92 or 90 it's 97 oh it was 97 okay so I was in middle school then so that's okay that makes sense I would remember it even better uh yeah I was Mm -hmm. in middle school yeah I know so yeah we all love Princess Diana so much it was it's just very tragic and it's interesting seeing that um yeah I remember when season one of the crown came out I love season one by the way like their accents oh my gosh the royal (laughs) accent is so both like posh and goofy at the same time. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and there's just like the way you say thank you is like thank you. Like very. <laughs> so, my spouse and I were just like going in and imitating the accent for many months, like many, like too many months. <laughs> just like carrying it over. Um, this is like three kids here. I think it came out in 2017. So our lives were also very different. We were like, just uh, nothing better to do with binge, you know. Um, and now we're like, now I had to watch the last season alone by myself and stolen moments. Like, 
like I sleep over about half an episode of The Crown. I don't know, but um, so I do feel like the it first. So really cool. Yeah. Yes, I know. It's like oh god, all right, the choice. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like the accents have not been as strong as they were that first season. I think the later actors aren't as, but maybe also that's with the passage of passage of time. Maybe in the fifties, forties, you know, was oh, stronger, and yeah. then you know they they've um, uh, smoothed out some of the the. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't really hear Harry or William talking as much like that. Um, no. So yeah, and and the actress that is portraying Diana is incredible in this in this last season. Um, but so is Kristen Stewart. Did you watch the Kristen Stewart movie? Um, yes. Spencer. Spencer. So good. Oh, yeah, she was I amazing in that. Her. She really was. Like I, yeah, it was such an eerie movie too, which I. I don't usually like scary things, but I just like relished it in that, in that film. It was, it was fantastic. Um, so yeah, all the portrayals of Diana I'm, I'm here for. Okay. Wait, you go first. What are your thoughts on <laughs> Spare? And all the, all the okay. So I haven't read Spare yet. I did buy it. So I have it. It's, it's sitting on oh. my shelf. Uh, I am, I am like really anxious. I have a little girls weekend <laughs> planned next weekend. And so I think I'm going to take it with me on my like girls weekend. That's going to be my little treat book. Okay. Um, but I, I mean, I am a hundred percent team Harry and Megan, like undoubtedly <laughs> as far as that goes. Um, and I just have found the whole thing so fascinating, like watching the Oprah interview, watching their Netflix documentary that they just released. Um, and I just, it just blows my mind that people look at them and see the villains of the story and I know that people still do because I am on Twitter and <laughs> <laughs> but it just like it really just blows my mind that people still are like after all of this stuff are still commenting like, you know, she's a terrible person and she's horrible and she's such a bitch and all this. And I'm like, what are you watching? Like, are we really that mm. indoctrinated by the press i guess the answer is yes because those people still exist but it just i guess when you really get into that that part's a little bit scary that <laughs> it's that easy um to turn people but wow. i don't know i just find their whole story fascinating i loved um just at the end of the documentary when it was like them sort of settled into their life in california and you know their kids just get to be kids you know, mm -hmm. relatively speaking. Um, and I just, I want to be friends with them. I feel like we would all get along very well. My husband is also a ginger. So, you know, we have a connection. <laughs> but I just love them and I want the best for them. And I want them to continue to spill all the tea. <laughs> Me too. I can't wait to read spilled tea for myself i feel like yes with some of the quotes that have been, have been coming out they're like whoa but i'm full i'm really a fan of not taking things like reading things in their full context so like you know i see this sometimes where it's like oh this is you know some people are getting mad about a quote or two but i really think everybody should go and like read the whole thing before you know you make up your mind about about i don't know a piece mm -hmm. just like one line
line because you don't know what comes around it. It, it could make a huge difference. Like it, it could really set set the tone for it. So, yeah. however, you know, he does talk about the royal todger apparently quite a bit. But I'm also there for here for that. Like I will listen to stories about his, you know what. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he's putting it out there, I don't feel bad <laughs> <out> about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I, I really love their interview with Oprah. There was something there was that is going to be iconic for the ages, like type of interview, yeah. just like the serene, beautiful setting, Megan's dress, Oprah's, you know, purple outfit and her, you know, her like stare. I, for my, for my job, I actually do a lot of, uh, interviews with with users. I do user research, and I feel like from that interview alone, I learned so much from Oprah. She actually doesn't yeah. say anything or even move a lot of the time. I find myself often being like, uh huh, uh huh, or nodding, but she just like stares and allows people to to speak. So that anyway, it's a little thing for I, I thought was was fascinating about that. Um, but that was that was my favorite. I think of all the Harry Meghan press tours as I love. I love the Oprah interview. And I also just, oh, I feel for them. I don't know if you both feel this way, but it seemed, uh, to me, I think being famous is the worst thing in the world. Like I do not, I deserve mm. 0% fame. Like I would love people to read my books, but mm -hmm. if no one knows me personally, I do not care if I fade into obscurity forever. No problem. Like I'm good with mm -hmm. that. Uh, fame seems terrifying. Like, oh, I like I, good for them for getting away. And, and especially for their kids, like, Yes, they're growing up with a lot, you know, a lot of privilege around them, but they don't have to be in this system of, you know, being yes. forced to be in it. Like that is very clearly not not a fun way to grow up. Um, even though it seems maybe from the outside, it's like, oh, you get to live in a palace, but there's that that there's very odd like lack of lack of freedom. So um, I'm happy for their kids. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, I know one of the parts in the book that was floating around a lot is Harry talking about how awful it was for them to have to walk behind Diana's coffin as it was on the carriage as for the funeral, where they just had to like walk through the streets. And I just like, I can't imagine that, you know, like he was like 12 years old. Like that is wild to put a kid through that. And then you saw, um, Williams, I think his name is George, the oldest one, mm -hmm. um, just recently did the same thing at the Queen's funeral. And I was like, didn't, did we learn nothing? Do we, why are mm. we still doing this? Stop yeah. doing this. Don't do that. Ugh, just yes. feel so bad for those kids. I know. I think we have, uh, they have learned nothing. You know, like it, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to, to tackle that. But hopefully, you know, over time, like the world is so, it feels so modern now. Like, why do we need this? Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's the, the whole pageantry of the royals. And there is something so, you know, we, we love about royals. I'm like, oh, royals, like, so cool. But it's also not at the same time. Like, I, you know, no, we don't need the royals. But I, but I don't know. I, I, I guess my thoughts are a little tangled there. Because there is something so romantic about it, you know even though the reality is so clearly not that it is so, so clearly not that. So my, my thoughts on that, I don't know. I need to, I need to think about it a little more. I think. But I think that's the point, right? They want that. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. image, right? They want that image of the fairy tale and the uh, like over, like of being higher above, right? <laughs> so, uh, like, yes. I think that it yeah, inherently creates that feeling in that that image. But when in reality, yeah, there's a lot to uh, dismantle there. <laughs> there's a lot. Yes. Also, I love definitely. Her. <laughs> like, I I think I have like a celebrity <laughs> crush on her. <laughs> Just love her so much. <laughs> yeah. Just like yeah. I and what also just like going in there and just like messing shit up. I love that. I just love her. She's an icon. Yes. yes. Completely. I know. Yeah. It's interesting because I think we sort of like look at them as if they are characters. And then know. <laughs> when you sort of have to deal with the fact that they're real people, um yeah. it does. And I think that's probably a little bit of like why the royal family wants them to just shut up already is because Mm. they're they're ruining that you know they're ruining the characters and making them a little bit too realistic also i feel like if you're listening to this from the uk we have a very american attitude about royalty (laughs) and i'm sorry for that (laughs) (laughs) it's very easy for us to be like yeah abolish the monarchy we don't live there. Um, <laughs> so. Yes, this is true. Our, our ideas are not very nuanced, right? <laughs> like no. it, it does take a whole. But but there are things I you know that even you know the UK knows need to change and just dismantle, yeah. right? Yeah. Such it also in the US, <laughs> like yeah. everywhere. Not like we're yeah. It's not like we're so great. We're- <laughs> yeah, we got our freaking issues. At least you have healthcare. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, this is true. oh goodness! I feel like I could talk about the royals for like hours and hours, and just never really get to the heart of it. It's just so so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my gosh! Man. All right. So I'm very excited about this next topic. I said in our little pre-show recording here that I put this on our little to-do list for very selfish purposes. Um, But hopefully you all will get something out of this too, because I am going to Chicago for the first time in April. I am super excited. I've never been there before. And I know you are a Chicago enthusiast. And so I need to know all of the things that I need to do in Chicago. Oh, Chicago. So I lived there in 2017 and it was maybe the best year of my life. If not, yeah, probably the best year of my life. I love, love, love Chicago. It was like a dream living there. Um, so, okay. What, what is there to do? So I lived in like downtown, not like the most downtown, but very, very close to it. Like this area called river North and gold coast, like sort of at the intersection there. Okay. What is there to do? A hundred percent. Do you're going in April. Wonderful time. Oh, there's going to be like tulips everywhere. Chicago takes their outdoor landscaping so seriously. It's a, I've never seen anything like this in the city. Like every tree has this gorgeous planter box and it changes with the seasons. I don't know who's doing it, but somebody is going through and making sure that like in winter, it's like winter themed and spring it's spring themed. Um, so when you go, there might be just like tulips blooming. Um, the Chicago architecture river tour is a hundred percent must do. I've done it four or five times. Every time someone came to visit us there, um, we went and I 
happily went on on the tours. So definitely take a river tour. It's yes, it's touristy, but yes, it's it's worth it. Um, Chicago's <laughs> architecture is just like so cool on the river. Like winds through the city. There's like really old Art Deco stuff. There's newer uh, like really modern things. There's like the clash of both of them. It's it's fascinating. So definitely do that. And then you get to be on a boat, which is fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I would definitely recommend that if you, um, I mean, if you like deep dish, do deep dish. I don't like deep dish pizza. I really love New York style. Like, <laughs> love, love um, but if you do, Same. you know, Lumonati's. Yeah. But uh, Portillo's hot dog. So another Chicago food is like the Chicago dog. Um, no ketchup. It's like mustard and pickles. And I was like, well, I love ketchup, but try it try it it's great um so portillo's is like a destination for for that um and there's there's also just like some somewhat if you want really weird wild like fancy crazy cocktails um the aviary has these beautiful cocktails where you have to make reservations you can get reservations it's not like you can't but just make sure you do like um a little bit in advance um i highly recommend that too for like the that experience um Okay, walking along the uh, the lake, Lake Michigan looks like uh, an ocean. It's so beautiful, and there's like a lake shore. There's a um, you know, there's a beach basically. So in April, like I guess it could be hit or miss. There could be snow, but even I I did snow walks there too, and it's gorgeous. So the skyline of Chicago is just absolutely breathtaking. So walking up like north um, from downtown along the water is is a really beautiful walk um i haven't been to the zoo but i heard the zoo is really fun oh yeah those are my recommendations okay (laughs) i'm excited no definitely i'm gonna write down the zoo so my child is like obsessed with dinosaurs and uh sue the t-rex is at the field museum in chicago so that's the main reason why we're going but he would also love the zoo i'm sure Yes. Yeah, the field is so so cool. Yes, that's also totally on. It's such a beautiful building too. Like very iconic. Love it. Well, thank you. I literally wrote down everything you just said. <laughs> yes, I hope you have the best time. I can't wait to go back myself. I will. I will one day again. Yeah. Well, Please. and um, there's a romance bookstore in Chicago now. I don't think it was open in 2017, but Love Sweet Arrow is in the Chicago area. So. Oh. What, what was the, the name? I, you cut out what was the name? Um, it's called Love's Sweet Arrow. And I'm not sure exactly cool. where it is, but I know it's in the Chicago area. Oh, so yeah. cool. Oh, my gosh. Well, next time I go, I am checking it out. Yeah. And then, you know, your whole trip is a tax write-off. Just do an event there, and then you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. My second book takes place in Chicago. So there we go. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh, I, I need to visit while I'm doing my developmental edits to remember and really feel the landscape, you know, in my bones before I write it, before I rewrite mm. it. So. <laughs> there you go. I yeah. love it. Um, well, this has been such a joy. Can you please tell our listeners where they can find you on social media? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter um, at Tallene Voskuni, V-O-S-K-U-N-I. And Tallene is T-A-L-E-E-N. I guess it's going to be on this podcast. but And my uh, my Instagram is Tallene Author. Um, 
I think I'm also on TikTok, but I've only posted a couple of things. I think I'm telling author or telling Boscuni there too. I ignore it for the most part. Uh, but, but I think since launch is coming up, I will probably post a, couple, a little more there. Thank you again both so much for this. This is so fun. Oh, Thank our pleasure. So Such a joy. And I was going to say, you should have your own like um, tourism like videos like just give us rundowns on different places because I was so entranced listening to you like I've never wanted to go to Chicago more (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh if I if I like a place I will I will sell in Chicago I love with all my heart so yeah (laughs) thank you so cool thank you so much for being here and spending time with us and um thank you listeners for being here too and we We'll be happy to meet cute next time. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore K, K-A-E, on all social media platforms. And you can find me, Fallon Ballard, at Fallon Ballard, everywhere you imbibe your social media. If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes. And a special shout out to Zachary Kibbe and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope to see you next time.